it's not the result that that we want, obviously. But you know, I was I thought we gave a really, really pure, good effort, and I think you could feel it watching the game. Um, you know, we we got to make a few more shots. You know, Boston hit some tough shots. We had a couple of breakdowns that, that cost us during the stretch. That you know, particularly when Smart hit those threes. Um, but I, I saw a team that was committed to defending and playing together. Quinn Snyder after the game. Jazz dropped their fourth in a row. It's nine out of 13 now. None of which has really been predictable. When we really saw the five-game losing streak coming, the fact that they would win four in a row and beat Houston and Miami during that stretch and look good, I found that a little surprising, and nor did it signal they were about to drop four in a row coming out of the break. So what's next? Who knows? Wizards. Wizards won at home last night. They're flying in to play the Jazz tomorrow night. The question of the morning, what is left to say? 13 games at the pace they play in the NBA with the All-Star break. We've been talking about this for about a month now. What is left to say? What is left to analyze? A lot of you weighing in on Facebook. You can call 855-340-ZONE. Facebook, DJ and PK. Tweet me at David DJ James. Tony says there's something going on in the locker room. The team's not interested in playing together. The free fall may last for a while. What's going on in the locker room? What do your sources tell you? Sources aren't telling me anything about what's going on in the locker room. You think that they're reluctant to throw the ball to go bear. You think, think they don't believe in him. him. I know. Yeah. yeah, I don't view that as a locker room issue. I view that oh, as... Oh, I do. Yeah. If you don't trust a player, that's a locker room issue. Okay. You know, if you wanted to find it that way. He just... I think people were largely right last night. There was a, if you were watching you know, Twitter, people were going nuts. Like, man, they missed Gobert I was watching again. the game. People do both at the same time. I guess that's why you have two eyes. <laughs> and he didn't get a lot of touches, and yet he still had four turnovers. And there were a couple plays early. There was one where he got kind of trapped under the glass and and was trying to make a move and lost the ball, and now he's trailing the play down, and they get a fast break at the other end because he's not there to protect the rim. And the other team knows. They got the ball there in front of him. They're going right to the rim. And then Conley comes down and uh, is in about the three-point line and sees uh, Gobert underneath and whips him a pass, and Gobert misses, and it goes right through his hands and out of bounds. And so, yeah, I think... I think everybody's thinking when they throw him the ball, is this really the right time to throw him the ball? And you know, as soon as you start thinking, you're in trouble. Even if you make the right play, if you make it half a beat late, guys aren't open by much, and they aren't open for long, and the moment's gone. Let me think about that for a minute. Okay. Ponder away. I'm in trouble. <laughs> you don't like to think. What he says, as soon as guys start thinking. Then the moment's gone. All right, the moment's gone. <laughs> I've missed the moment so many times. Well, this is this is just a new development. Did his hands something happen? Did they get callus and splinters and blisters? And did they? It's like Yach said earlier. It seems to come and go. There's stretches where everything's fine, and then there's stretches where everything is not fine. So we're in a stretch right now where they don't trust him. I thought that was clear last night watching the game. Okay. Matthew has an interesting theory. Nobody else has thrown this out that I've seen. Now, we're getting a ton of responses, so some of you may go, hey, I posted that too, and I just haven't seen it yet. But Matthew says, I think it's time 
to hope something crazy happens. The Jazz lost the edge they need. Maybe it would have been better for no one to go to the All-Star game. Better with the us against the world. Nobody respects us. We should have All-Stars and we don't. That's what we had a year ago. I don't know if we had it two years ago. Maybe we did a little. Reaching a little bit here. Yeah. And there was a five-game streak before the All-Star game. Did Mitchell... All-star appearance looked like it affected him last night? Because it didn't to me. No. I thought he got in foul trouble early, left the game. The team was struggling offensively. And usually you expect the star player to carry the team in the fourth quarter. But you got to be close enough for that to happen. I think he sat on the bench and thought, this isn't working well. I have to go get some hoops. And Cantor came into the game. And I think the whole game plan was put Cantor in the pick and roll. And they clearly did. So it was a couple things. One, he knew he had to be aggressive. And two, they had something that was in the game plan to take advantage of. And the combo of the two, he just went right at him. And then he ends up just going off. He had a 20-point quarter. Which even for a big-time scorer like him is a huge quarter. (laughs) At uh, 48 minutes, that's 80 points. All right, we're getting some open mics now. Use your phone. Use the app. Send us the open mic. Send us your audio. Cameron. They need to be willing to adapt or they need to stick with their game plan the whole game through and not switch up and go to this isolation play. And It's not going to work. So adapt or stick to the game plan? I... He doesn't like the isolation stuff. That's clear. Wants to put him in the blender. I think that goes back to what Quinn Snyder said. We need to play better, particularly on offense and defense. Remember he said that last week? I do. That was a good one. (laughs) But having watched the game, he was not wrong. I mean, it does kind of cover all your bases, but when the team has a really bad game, what are you left with? So when do you adapt? When do you stick to the game plan? And that is why coaches get paid a lot of money and star players get paid a lot of money, because you've got to figure that out. Larry the Lakers complaining about the Lakers, who are number one in the West, who figured it out as well as anybody in the regular season in this uh, really deep Western Conference. And the ball sticks, when, and he's not wrong. LeBron does hold the ball. But what happened with the game on the line? LeBron held the ball yeah. in a post-up, hit a fadeaway. When they, they figured you know. it out two summers ago when LeBron came, and then they figured it out this summer when they traded for Anthony Davis. So it comes down to how good are your two-star <laughs> players. <laughs> See, I think that's what the streak comes down. All these losses are not the same. Against Houston and against Boston, did the Jazz have the best player on the floor? Be honest. Don't be a homer. I know you're a fan. Did they the Jazz... had a player that was good enough. Would I take Jason Tatum over Donovan Mitchell? Yes. Is that what you're asking? But did they have a star that was darn near as equal as Jason Tatum? Absolutely. What okay. they didn't have is the other guys. It's not the star. They don't have a second star. They didn't have one last night. But Mitchell, he went toe-to-toe with Tatum, and they to me it was a wash. It was the other guys. And then uh, Marcus starts hitting threes, and that changes everything. Yeah, they didn't have a second dude. Right. So the point Neal about the was, losing streak was probably is better than he normally is there offensively. Were, there were two games where the Jazz did have the better player and did have the better star. And if they'd win the games they're supposed to, there'd be a certain amount of stress now, but it wouldn't be where it was. And these two games, well, it lost, should be two like, and two. It's like right. And it's like you yeah. said about the Houston game. You didn't like it, but you understand it, and you know what happens. Yeah. 
you don't like it and you don't accept it, but you know they don't go 82-0. and right. And you know they don't even go 41-0 and at home. Somebody's going to come in and win, and who's it going to be? Well, it's going to be a team like Houston. Well, I think that's the excellent point. We're Soldier. stressing because of Phoenix San- and San Antonio. Yes. yes. And we'll stress because of the Wizards. Right. And the thing yeah, is, because, I buy that. because the fan base is so all-in on this team, which mm-hmm. benefits us immensely, but because they're so all in it, we would still be obsessing about being two and two. They're still obsessing about being two and two. Not but as it would much, be but a yeah. different level. But there would still be a hey, they're, no, not, I follow you. they're not beating the playoff teams here. You know, I mean, obviously they're beating these other guys. But right now they're not even beat the other guys, and it's driving people nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. But if they played against Phoenix the way they played against Boston, they wouldn't have a four game losing streak. They I agree to that the, too. They would have beaten the Suns. Bill, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, Bill. Hello, Bill. First thing I want to say is I'm so glad I found you guys a stream. So whatever you guys got to do to make this stream available to people all the way out on the East Coast, I appreciate it. It makes me feel like I'm part of the frustration out here listening to you guys. Okay. Thanks. Um, Second thing is I don't hate the Conley trade, Um, even though it doesn't seem to be working out. um, Management felt like they had to do something. They made a splash doesn't seem like it's working out now. I still think Conley could be um, something that we need in the playoffs with his experience. If I mean, we're not going to drop out of the playoffs, I would think. But I'm not giving out hope. You sign on as a Jazz fan to live and die with them. So I'm just going to keep riding the wave. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. You know, I got to admit that uh, Conley, his professionalism and in interviewing and all, he doesn't get rattled. First of all, he has a golden voice. It sounds like I mean, he's like James Earl Jones with that voice. Man, he was blessed. He ought to go into broadcasting or singing or something. He has a beautiful voice, but that's neither here nor there. But he has not let anything rattle him. And what I would love to see is him just kick you-know-what in the postseason. Hey, y'all didn't believe in me, huh? He won't do it because it's not who he is. But surely he's heard of all the crap that he's taking. Yeah, you told us two months yeah. ago. Yeah. Long before it started in this fan base, hearing it around the league. Ex-players who were in the media talking about oh, yeah. he's done, yeah. he's lost the half a step that makes the difference. Right. You don't have to lose much. He's great, but he's great by the small margin. So when you lose a half a step, it's over. And that's not anybody who lives in Utah saying that. That's somebody who's, hear that. who's yes. played in the league and has then worked around the league. You know, you stay in basketball on the periphery doing whatever. Some guys coach, some guys scout, some guys front office, some guys media. And that's out there. And I know it's out there because I've heard it too. And you, before I knew that, assured me that it had already gotten back to Mike. So 100% he's heard it. Basketball's a very small world. The word travels fast. Yes, he did. He, now, yeah, I recall the conversation I had. You're right. Yeah, and you told uh, us on the air. I yeah. know that conversation was on the air. Yes, yes. You brought it up. That is that is correct. You were out ahead of it. Uh, I I really hope he has a little T.J. Hall's redemption. <laughs> that would be so sweet. Mike I mean, I, I feel Mike like Conley I've been needs there. needs to go, T.J. Guys who are doubted, and yet they still stay with it. They still work. They well, still show up. They still do all they're supposed to do. And then they have success. You know, Hawes has gotten it this year. He took a lot of crap. Uh, the sophomore and junior years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and here he is this year playing brilliantly, and they're obviously going to get in the tournament, and I think they're going to win at least one game, maybe getting that second weekend. That would be so sweet for those guys. Uh, and Conley's taken a lot of crap, and he's hurt it, and it hasn't worked out. And yet, But yet he has done nothing to show any outward, as far as I know, uh, frustration. So keep plugging away. And it's, it's uh, just the epitome of frustration right now. But still keep plugging away and, and see what can happen. I still believe that this book can be written and can have a, have a decent ending. Now, my faith is wavering. That's for sure. I mean, these, this is sad right now. I mean, this, this just sucks to, to lose these games at home coming out of the All-Star break. And we're expecting something big. And right now it's not happening. But maybe it can change. And I, I appreciate what Quinn Snyder was saying and appreciate what you just said, that if they would have had this effort in a couple other ball games. It wouldn't be at the level of panic and despair that it is right now. Yeah, the situation wouldn't be as dire. Right. Although there'd still be a lot of stress because people stress over every Jazz game. And it would still suck that they lost at home to Houston and Boston. It would, yeah. But it's compounded by the Spurs and the Suns. Well, that's when you—I you, don't think we'd be in panic mode if they were 2-2. Two and two. Right. But if you want to go in panic mode now— It's hard to argue. Yeah. Four in a row, nine I, I, Well, we're speaking to fans. I'm not speaking to Dennis Lindsay here. Yeah. Dennis Lindsay's not my core audience. <laughs> <laughs> core audience of one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean management. And I know what you mean. You know, I know what you mean. Yeah. The, the, they're not. We're talking to people. I would advise them to never, ever turn us on. Ever. <laughs> ever. I would advise them. And I actually literally advised people that very same thing. Family members? Don't. I had... Oh, I get your point. Going yeah. back? Because they want to stick up for yeah. whoever, yeah. whatever player yeah. or, uh, well, just to go to TJ, because that's who we were just talking about. How much fun would it have been for uh, TJ's parents to listen to the BYU fan base when it's going poorly? Right. Or to listen to our show when it's going poorly. We're talking about it and going to the fan base, and there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was I've advised one, family members. One guy spouses. specifically who I have never talked to. Well, no, that's not true. I probably interviewed him when he was playing, but I haven't talked to it away from basketball. But I always thought that with all the ups and downs Nick Emery went through and the fact that Jackson played the game, I always thought it, would, it had to just be sheer torture for Jackson to hear all the opinions and to have been in oh, the yeah, middle of all that himself. Twitter trying to stick up for his brother. Yeah. I mean, of course. Uh, your family, of course. But you're, you're fighting a losing battle. Yes. Because you're not. The and, people who are ripping you are not going to say, oh, yeah, I see it your way. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. I know. They're fans. Is you're, just, the you're, you're preaching. The, right, yeah. The, the people who are going to be on your side, they're already on your side. And the people who aren't, they don't want to hear it. So you're not going to win that. And stay the crap off of Twitter. I would. But, you know, it's not my family member either. But it does no good to have those guys listen. And we're talking about the the uh, the people. So we're fans are in a panic mode. I get it. All right, we got to take a break. Coming up next, Craig Bullerjack and Yach is telling us sounds like Joe Ingles about eight forty five. Somewhere around after he said he's got to drop his daughter off at school like he All normally right. does. And he let us know when he's available. DJ and PK at ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. As the Jazz lose their fourth straight game, 
114 to 103 to the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum leading Boston with 33. Donovan Mitchell pacing the Jazz with a game high 37 points. Jazz off today. They host the Wizards tomorrow night. Houston Rockets pick up another win. They beat the Grizzlies 140 to 112. Clippers 102 92 over the Suns. And the Mavericks beat the Spurs 109 to 103. Doubleheader in the NBA tonight. Kings and Thunder, Lakers and Warriors on TNT tonight. The Utes lose on the road again. 0 8 on the road in the Pac 12 now. They're beating at Stanford 70 to 62. The final. UVU falls to Cal Baptist 73 to 66. Top of the wire, brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing and get your winter furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Kurt Healer and ProBasketballTalk.com and NBCSports.com. This is like a trip at Disneyland, man. It, there's a lot of highs and a lot of lows so far this year. Yeah, it's been really up and down for a team that I think what's throwing us all off is we came into this year thinking, well, hey, we kind of know what the problems are. And I think, the, you know, the additions of Mike Conley and everything, and the Bogdanovich in the offseason, they've really solved, you know, taken steps in the right direction. This, is, this should all come together. And it just hasn't in any kind of consistent way. There's been flashes and, you know, Rudy's played some good defense still, but nothing has come together of late and it's it's just confusing. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined by Craig Bowlerjack. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Hi, Craig. Hey, PK. DJ, how are you? <laughs> Well, the Jazz have lost four in a row and nine of 13, so it's uh, the mood's a little down, Bowler. Oh, people, the mood is down. People yes. are looking for yes. answers, and you're Craig Bowler-Jack. The only positive is I've, I get a chance to run into you two at shoot-arounds <laughs> on occasion yep. when you guys decide to drop by for a visit. I'm not showing up anymore. Forget that. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. It's too gloomy. Stay away, PK. <laughs> his, his purple hoodie took its first loss of the year. Uh, he wore it for the Celtic game for good luck, and it, it only worked for three quarters. It didn't have four quarters of strength in it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of superstitious, too. I, I've worn a couple of uh, ties that have brought good luck. You know, good luck in the past. I wore a... You know how Lima dresses to the nines, you know, with the vests. And I tried the vest the other night. That didn't work. So, I don't know. I need new ideas on, you know, how to how to turn this around. But I guess really it comes down to playing playing solid team basketball. And, you know, even, the, the, you know, the locker room was a little bit more on the positive end last night. Um, but yet you lose. Uh, they thought they made progress defensively. DK and DJ, but again, you lose. Um, and my thought is, I asked Matt this last night, as athletes at high levels, which which is what this is at this in the NBA, is how much has this become now the fight through mental anguish, doubt? And, you know, I he really thought that was an interesting question because we always talk about 90% mental, 10% is the physical part, and I just wonder if the Jazz maybe aren't on the flip side of that right now because I think it's kind of it does seep in to you where you do make uh, instead of just playing your game you think too much and maybe that's where the Jazz are right now uh, and I'm trying to find 
rotations last night with Royce coming back in as, as a defender. Played well, got some big shots, scored you know in the offense. <clears throat> he helped jump start, jump start a little bit, but. Uh, the fourth quarter. It wasn't the third quarter this time. It was the fourth quarter uh, that uh, seemed to be the the difference maker in this game. Yeah, as I look at these four games post All Star break, uh, one thing on this several things, but one thing that jumps out at me is Bogdanovich hasn't gotten going, and he's yeah. got to get going because he is the most capable of being the second best score offensively behind Mitchell. Mitchell was, you know, loved his mindset. I'm just going to, if we're going down, I'm going down fighting. And I loved it. And Bogdanovich, since the All-Star break, he's just not played well. They've got to find a way to get his confidence level going. He just, in my mind, he just needs a single breakout game and then it can come back. It's not like it's gone forever, but it needs to come back. I think that's the difference. Him going 1 of 8, 0 for 4 from 3 and only scoring 3 points, I just don't think you're going to win very many games as he's playing like that. Yeah, no, he's, uh, and Joe, I would throw in that mix as well, PK. Those, Those two... Uh, give the Jazz a lot of fight, a lot of emotion. Joe, as we know, crafty and a guy that uh, gets in the heads of a lot of uh, his opponents. And, you know, that's kind of the way the Jazz play. Joe Joe is really, in my book, a lot of the heart and soul of this team, especially on the defensive end. Uh, you know, he's a lot, there's a lot of trust there with his teammates, a lot of trust with Quinn Snyder. Uh, Joe has struggled. Uh, and Bogey, I think, is the other part of that equation as well. How about I would never have thought in the four games he's three of uh, seventeen from outside, and last night gave the Jazz, you know, all of three points and four rebounds in you know thirty-four minutes. So, yeah, those are keys. I mean, those guys, this team, you know, has a lot of integral parts and a lot of emotional parts that go with it. And right now, uh, it's just fractured. And I think you're right about. You know, the the Bogdanoviches, the Joe Ingles, they seem to be just mentally in a disconnect. And hopefully you can regain. It may be as simple as you said to break out, but you, you have to see the ball go in. And it has to happen early. I think once you get into that, oh, no, not again uh, kind of mode. I felt that last night for Bogdanovich. I really did. Emotionally, I just felt like he, that first shot didn't go in. And then it kind of just, you know, avalanches the rest of the way. So I think I surprised a little PK a little bit when I said this, but I think that guys are second-guessing themselves as to when to throw the ball to Rudy and when not to. And yeah. they clearly missed him several times when he was open in the second half of the game, but I thought that was because Rudy didn't catch a couple of passes. Well, he didn't catch a pass from Mike Conley in the first quarter. I think it was late first quarter, and it went right, right through his hands it. and out of bounds, right? And there was another right. time before that where he got caught underneath the hoop wasn't quite sure what to do. Got stripped, turned the ball over, and then the Celtics knew, well, we got to step on you. We're going to beat you down the court and get a fast-break bucket. And they did that, and I thought the body language when they got that bucket was kind of like, oh, man. So are you seeing a lot of this, too, as far as second-guessing and, and when do they trust Rudy and when they don't? And he didn't have that many touches, yes. and he had four turnovers. Yeah, I mean, Rudy's a guy that wants touches. He made that d- declaration before the All-Star break. You know, he wants to be more involved in the offense. He took four shots last night and made all four, and we know what he does. I mean, he's a guy at the rim, you know, leads the league in dunks. But the other part of it, too, is Joe is is a player that seems to be, has been, 
defensively, they exile him from this from from the rotation of how the Jazz play. And what I mean by that is they crowd him on the three point line, and the passes to Rudy as they continue to spread the floor. It's more difficult. It's a longer pass, a higher, a longer lob pass, which again, and with hang time, from what I've seen, is that then equates to more opportunity to turn the ball over. And Rudy had four turnovers last night, and you mentioned two of them. And I again, it's it's such a you know, the spacing on the floor for Gobert is so important. You cannot put it at his hip. You can't put it at his at his number. It has to be above most, you know, everybody on the floor. And those are difficult passes to to, to, be, a, to, to, to be an expert at. And Joe is one of those guys that has that, con- that, that connection with Rudy. And I think Gobert really depends on Joe a lot on the floor offensively. And when Ingles can't deliver, I think I think Rudy suffers, and that's what again I, I saw a lot last night. Conley has played not as much with Gobert, obviously, and I think that comes into play at times on timing. Um, again, he was you know played with Gasol, who was a pick and pop guy. Rudy is at the rim, and so I think Joe understands his game uh, and as best as best as anybody on that team right now. And I think if if Joe can deliver that ball to Rudy, then Gobert struggles. And I think, again, we saw that last night. Do you have any idea why they decided that uh, Conley was going to come off the bench? And according to himself, when he, you know, when he, he took a nap, he thought he was coming off the bench. And then when he woke up, he was told he was starting. Why this flip-flop? You know, I, I kind of reached out and talked to a couple of players last night. And I think they were basically, and Royce O'Neal said the same thing. Look, he, he said, I heard I was, you know, going to start. I thought for it was going to be, you know, Mike uh, was going to come off the bench and then Quinn and the staff made a decision to go the other way and go with Joe. So uh, there wasn't much of an explanation, except I think it had to be a gut feel from Quinn uh, to decide after that uh, shoot around and the declaration that it was going to be Conley coming off the bench that they decided to turn it around the other way. I don't know if it was matchups, PK, or it was a fact that maybe he just didn't feel comfortable with him running or being part of the second unit with not a lot of options offensively. So that's kind of an internal decision. And one, I think the team just decided that, hey, whoever plays, plays. And, you know, and Quinn's always been the one, too, PK, that says that this is all fluid. Uh, we as media and fans put a lot of stock into who starts, and I get that. Uh, and a lot of players put stock into it, right? And their agents as well. So the explanation really is one behind closed doors. And I, I did not get the final answer on on, the, on that decision. But it may have just been as simple as just a decision, a gut feel to say, I'm more comfortable with this than I am with that. So let's make the change. And that's what uh, that's what the Jazz did. Do you wish they were just going on the road right now, that maybe they need to shake it up and they need to not play in front of their own fans and hear the groans and all that stuff? Uh, I think that's playing uh, the head games are there. I do. Uh, look at Hayward last night. Uh, comes back, and every time he touched the ball, you know, the booze just erupted from the, from the arena, not just in the first quarter, but all the way to the, to the end of the game. And I, I look back and I look at his his box score last night too, and you know Hayward's had a career year uh, from the floor in field goal percentage, and last night he's four at twelve and just didn't seem to be connected at all. 
And I think, again, it goes back to, you know, thinking too much and hearing, you know, athletes will tell you, and and you guys both played at, at different levels, right? I mean, competitively, I don't care if it's Little League or, or high school or college or the pros, you know, when you're playing well, you really don't hear the crowd because you're just so focused within. But I think Hayward was an example last night as the Jazz where you hear those things. You know, you're not as connected with yourself. And Hayward heard that crowd. You know he did. And I think his performance showed. And, of course, the Jazz hear the moans and groans, DJ, as you just said. And I think that's where we get into that discussion of where are they mentally and how much is this and they, they fight through this uh, the mental side of the game. And I think Harpreet and Big T, both former players, agree that that's really kind of where the Jazz are now, making baby steps a little bit last night. But to turn this thing around, you simply got to push through and win. It's not you're slip sliding away, and all of a sudden you go from a two seed before the All-Star break, and you wake up this morning at, at the sixth spot. And right behind you is Dallas. And the games are starting to kind of click away at a, at a fast pace and you've got one more at home before you hit the road, as you said. And you you play Cleveland, you go to New York. Uh, both teams, in a big way, struggle this year. Um, and, of course, you, fin- you go to Boston, and then you finish up in Detroit. Those potential wins there, and the Jazz have played very well on the road most, most of this season. So another test comes their way here uh, before you know it. I don't buy it, but... Our listeners keep asking us about this. Do you think there's any locker room issues? You know, PK, that may be the million-dollar question because on the surface I say no. But when I think I put myself in locker rooms that I've been involved in, and when you have strife, you have, I think, good competitive dialogue. But I don't think there's a fracture or break or a distrust. I think... You know that that if you're up, you better be upset. So there, the uh, the way you're playing. So maybe a fine line of where you walk if you're still together. And I believe they are, but I still think there's there's been discussions. There has to be. I hope there have been uh, on who we are, where we're going, and what role I take, and who are you. I mean, those are all things that are are maybe are healthy, but you can't let it get overboard and start to fracture relationships. And I don't feel that's happened, PK, in my book. And again, the doors close for a reason to let teams cool off in that cooling off period before the media is let in. And a lot of things happen you know, before we get a chance to see them, as you guys know. So I don't sense it, but I know there's got to be uh, just the natural way people work is that there's these guys aren't happy. And if you're a Jazz fan, you hope that's the case because they're fighting to get better and figure this thing out. If they were just walking out with a smile on their face and saying, look, we'll get it, we'll work on it tomorrow, I'd be more concerned. But I think as competitive as this team is and as strong as they are as, as a team concept together, I think they're still trying to figure this thing out, which is really kind of odd to say, too, right? With with 25 or less than 25 games to play, you hoped that this had happened, you know, in game 20. And here we are uh, with a fourth of the season left, and uh, there's still conversation about we have to figure this out. And that's I think that's the most disturbing part about it. Bowler, thanks. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, Joe Ingles, stay with us. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Incriminating audio. BYU loses by 30 or more to Gonzaga, or I give you incriminating audio. Well, what's it going to be? What miserable thing am I going to have to hear for the next 30 years like of my here, career? I'm going with pet name. That's my that's my vote. You're okay to just... It seems like it bothers you a to lot. To just admit that Jake Scott's better at this than you guys? <laughs> sure. Okay. No qualms on this side. All right. Well, Whitney's pet name for me is Tony. Beautiful. Well, like Whitney's pet name the... for me is Tony. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm in trouble at home, too. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, do you have answers? Because, man, jazz fans have questions. We've been trying to give them, but it turns out they don't really like our answers. <laughs> um, I might have. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's funny. You know, not, not really funny. You've been in this community long enough. You know how much these fans just obsess over everything you guys do and sure. and we're supposed to find explanations and this and that the one thing that i can come up with correct me if i'm wrong i probably am is that each guy just look individually am i doing all that i can to help this team win does that make sense yeah uh, i think it's a it's a perfect kind of place to start you um before i'm not even gonna say blaming because i don't think our team is kind of blaming it on other people or, or other players but um before kind of questioning someone else or what someone else is doing right or wrong um it, it's all obviously about us looking at ourselves and like you said everyone going out there and obviously within our system and the way we play on, on both ends of the floor am i am i doing it all am i doing it to the best of my ability am i just kind of leaving it all out there and um there's obviously been times that we haven't been playing well at all and uh, I think everyone over this last little period even the five games before this um, little things that like, I guess are repeat habits of, of the same mistakes or, or the same breakdowns defensively or transition defense or whatever it is specifically um, just focusing on on what we need to do, what we need to do each game, each practice, each quarter, um, and even kind of going to each possession, really. So um, there's obviously a lot we can improve on. I think um, as bad as we all feel right now um, and last night, I think we did get some... Like, it was kind of one stretch where they 
um, got out in transition and hit some shots and we weren't scoring and, and it opened up the game and obviously a good team like that um, you give them a lead they're, they're obviously going to do a, a pretty good job of keeping it so I'm curious here, uh, you know, I read the updates, and so you just go by the math of it all, right? They've lost four in a row and nine of 13, but you played so well in between, and a lot of teams, they lose nine of 13, there's, you know, a win here, a win there. But there's a five-game losing streak, there's a four-game winning streak, and then there's a four-game losing streak. Are the two losing streaks, like, connected in your mind? Is it the same issues? Because I know a lot of us thought problems are solved when you win four in a row and you beat Houston in dramatic fashion, you beat Miami. Those are good teams. So are these tri- streaks two separate things, or should they be connected? Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. But, um, I mean, I think regardless, they're somewhat connected because – it's not like it was a five-game losing streak in October. Um, it was only kind of around the corner, and obviously without All-Star break, it's even sooner than that. So it's, it's pretty close to those, whatever it was, 13 games, are all, are all pretty tight and pretty close together if you, if you take the All-Star break out. So, um, yeah, I think obviously after that five-game, I think we... Kind of like you said, we kind of had to look in the mirror. I mean, I think we figured some things out. We we obviously some beat some good teams and we're, we're playing a little bit better. I, I mean, it, it it probably wasn't perfect. I, I honestly can't remember every possession from, from back then. But it wouldn't have been perfect. I'm sure we had mistakes. But they were obviously limited and we were playing well and um, we're playing well, well enough to get some wins. Um, and now we're in... Yeah, whatever it is now, four or whatever in a row. So we've got kind of the same thing. You, you, like it's. I don't want people to think that we we don't care or that we're not worried or or trying to figure out what to do or how to do it. But it's um, it's another quick turnaround. You you play again on on well tomorrow now, and um, you you don't want to go into the game thinking about. Not not thinking about the game. Obviously, we want to think about what we did wrong and doing it better and how we can play better. But um, we can't just kind of mope around with our heads down and um, act like the world's ending because we we have another game. We've got to we've got to figure out this this way to kind of turn it around and, and start playing the way we have showed we can play for for a lot of this season. The confidence factor has always intrigued me, you know, because you hear college players and other guys talk about confidence and how it comes and goes. And from the outside, from my perspective, having not been a professional athlete and not come close to it, you'd think that professionals who are the elite of the elite, there's only just relatively speaking a handful of you compared to the population that plays the game, you'd think that you have confidence at the highest level all the time because of how good you are. I'm wondering during streaks like this, does confidence confidence fluctuate to the individual level and then to the collective level as a team? I think at the end of the day which is is forgotten in in our world is like we are all still human beings, like we are regular humans, like we go through the same stuff other people do, we have good days, we have bad days on and off court, I'm not saying it's, it's just on court or just off court but um, there's definitely times when you you feel more confident or um, I don't even know the word but feel better out there than other times there's um, there's always there, or there could always be there's things there's things that could be going on guys could be injured guys going to stop at home which is obviously 
kind of what I did, what, what I had going on last year and stuff like that. So you, uh, I think at the end of the day, it, it does get a little bit forgotten. Um, like guys are going to lose confidence at times. I'm not saying that they're not confident at all to, to go out there and do their job, but it's going to be on a different level at, at different times. You're not going to be riding this like wave of like confidence and um, like a, a high level of playing 82 games for your whole career. Like it's, it's going to go up and down. You're going to have times, and I don't. I don't think. I don't. I wouldn't say guys in our team have, don't have confidence. I think we all know. Like you said, there's a, a hand. What is it? 450 players in the world that are playing in this league. Is like you have to be somewhat confident to be able to even even get a sniff in the NBA, um, and and kind of do your job and do it at a high level. But there there is um, kind of flows that you go through, and um, I, I guess the the one thing you don't want to do is go through one of those kind of down patches all at the same time. And I don't think we're doing that because we've got some guys. Is playing at a, a pretty high. We've got guys playing at a reasonable level, but we we all need a from top to bottom. We all or every player needs to pick it up. And uh, I think I said it last week or in the the shoot around or something that the kids just can't get out there and do it for us. You guys can't. Like we we have, it's on the players to to play better and and be locked in and do what we have to do and and do our job. And obviously that um, at the end of the day is to to win games, um, not just to play them. Do you hear a lot of what's going on in the crowd because it sounds different at games now? And there's a part of me that thinks you guys would be better served if you were just out on the road and didn't have to play the Wizards at home. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess you, you hear bits and pieces. I don't think it's... I obviously can't really speak for others, I think. Um, I mean, when you have 20,000 people all watching five people run around on a court you, you obviously um, it, it makes an impact you can hear cheers and boos and sometimes depending on the situation you can hear like individuals yell stuff out or whatever it is if it's quiet and stuff like that but um, I mean I don't honestly don't hear too much I think you like I said it's it, it's you, you're trying to play a game it's like there's a game plan and a trying to worry about that and who you're guarding and what you're meant to be doing and coach like trying to listen to coach and you've got four other teammates and you've got bench, so. um, I don't I don't hear too much you can obviously when it's loud and all that you hear it but um, kind of it is what it is really it's a part of the game <laughs> You've gone on record a hundred times over saying you couldn't care less as far as starting and coming off the bench, and so now you came off the bench, and I know your answer, so I'm not going to ask you to repeat something (laughs) you've been saying for six years, but I will ask you, do you think it matters to some other guys, to some of your teammates, whether they're starting or not? Um... No, I mean, not really. Uh, I don't like. I mean, there's 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 guys that are gonna start. Like, let's not get it twisted. Like, Donovan's gonna start. Like, he's our guy. Rudy Boyan, obviously, the three that have kind of mixed in and out has been me, Royce, and and Mark. We've all spoken to coach. We've all had spoken to each other. Like, it's at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think technically we've got kind of six stars. I think any of us could. Um, I, I know for a fact that it, it, it it's not like a really like a worrisome thing. Like I'm not I wasn't seeing home yesterday 
upset and worried that I wasn't going to be starting. Um, you try and figure out, like I said earlier in the year when I was coming off the bench at the start of the season, it's you, like I, I want to win games. I want to win as many games as we can. I want to get win as many as we can there and, and be the last team standing. And um, if that's, like I said, starting or coming off the bench or playing worse or playing more or having the ball more or having the ball less, whatever the situation is, um, obviously trying to do it to the best of our abilities of when we're out there. And um, I mean, it, you never know people's conversations with their own family or friends or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's a, an issue within our group. I think guys really have that common goal of, of, of trying to win. And especially now when it's, you're in a, a rough patch, it's like, Obviously, the whole of Utah has lasered in on us, and why we're not winning. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said before, it's not like we we aren't frustrated or, or we aren't getting bad at certain situations or the way we're playing at times. Because individually, like obviously, I want to play better. I know I have played well. I want to play better. I'm trying to do as much as I can out there, try and help the team. And it's frustrating when you you string together a couple of bad games because you. Like you said about the confidence, like I know I can do more. I know I can play better, um, and that's on me to, to get out there and be aggressive um, and try and lead on the team and help us help us turn this around and get some wins. You're one of the guys who's been here for a while, so you know how you've defended over the last three or four years. And I think a lot of the struggles are are mental, chemistry, that kind of stuff. But there are a few things that are X's and O's. And it does seem like your opponents are more dedicated than ever to getting Rudy out on the three-point line, which, you know, you for years, I think, have been, hey, we're going to take this jumper or this three-point shot away from this guy. I'm going to funnel him to Rudy, and he's not going to know what to do. And that doesn't work quite as well when Rudy's not 10 or 12 feet from the hoop. He's 20 or 25 feet from the hoop. How much of X's and O's and, and the way the opponents are playing you changed here the last couple of months? Oh, there's no doubt that the... I think anyone that's watched enough basketball over the last few years has seen the game change. And um, I mean, when I first got here, we played with Fave and Rudy, and it was like most a lot of teams were doing that, having kind of two bigs, and then it kind of we were probably the other only other team off the top of my head is the Memphis with Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph that that did it, kind of kept it as well. But we were probably one of the last teams that that still played two bigs and. Um, and now we're on a patch and this is only kind of six, seven, eight years if you think about it now we're in a, a period where I mean Houston for example like starting P.J. Tucker at the five who, when he first got in the league he was playing the two and three um, so it's definitely I mean the league's changing um, who knows where it kind of goes next if, if that Houston team stays together or doesn't if they end up deciding they don't want to do that then maybe it goes back to playing one or two bigs again um, but yeah I mean it's, it's obviously a, a game plan for teams when you've got two time defensive player uh, whatever number and rate and percentage that he protects the rim and does all that obviously uh, at a very high level and um, obviously I mean if I was coaching against those I'd try and get him away from the rim, rim as well because he's, he's intimidating down there he, he, he makes plays and um, kind of like you said, you funnel him down there, and he's he's 
um, been that anchor and, and probably saved our team in a lot of situations. He's made us all look pretty good uh, at times. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a different... I, I think you, you try and adjust. I think it was that one through four, you're playing small with, with a big and kind of switching one through four and, like, mixing up what they were doing with fives. And then a lot of teams now, like, especially with the second year, they might start their regular bigs or whatever, and then coming in with... Um, a four that, well, a five that used to be a four, and switching one through four, and or one through five, and trying to keep you in front of them, and you you kind of live with like kind of contested threes, unless you can kind of break the pain and, and really make plays. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a hundred percent a game plan for teams to to keep Rudy outside um, on the outside on the perimeter, and um, yeah, I mean, like, I think we talked about it back the guards containing the ball and um, the better we are at that obviously the better we are we can run back in transition which will be a good start and then man up contain the ball and and, and if we get to that point then it still gives Rudy a chance to um, do what he does best so we always hear guys say you know I got to be more aggressive and you said that and we saw Donovan Mitchell what that meant for him I mean he was playing like it was his last game and he looks so awesome what does it mean individually for you when you say I've got to be more aggressive um, well I think I, I think on both ends of the floor and, and I mean, even something that's not really to do with basketball but that leadership of, of keeping the guys together obviously talking about what I see um, what can help us what we isn't working um, on the floor obviously defensively just um, I think we've, we've kind of like being a being a pest and being annoying out there and, and doing kind of what I have done for, for a while and offensively if I if I get the rebound or ever pushing the ball um, uh, trying to make obviously make plays for others get others involved and um, when my shot is there take it and if I make 10 or miss 10 obviously still have that confidence to shoot the next one and um, yeah I mean it's just a I mean we've talked about it a million times but there's, there's different games at different times that I might have 15 shots at the time I might have 3 um, I think when it is on the lesser side there's there's definitely things I can do um, which I'll get to to talk to, to Michael Vince about and, and Quinn today and just try and figure out how I can and what I can do to to stay aggressive because I mean it's not fun when you're not you're not aggressive and you I guess you're not you don't feel like you're helping the team and um, I probably felt a little bit like that last night I, I didn't feel like I was really helping and you don't want to overdo it you don't want to be the guy that then then goes into the other side where, you, where you're doing too much and um, it's a it's a fine line, so um, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll figure it out. I think our team will figure it all out, and um, hopefully, hopefully, it's sooner than later. So, uh, in my simple brain, and I, I I threw this out there earlier this morning. I've done it in a couple shows, and you'll probably tell me that's because you have a simple brain, DJ. But I think that what what happens with your aggressiveness or or uh, lack thereof during a game is when you're initiating the offense, you got the ball in the hand, like you just said. When you get the rebound, you get the ball in your hand. You got a chance to be aggressive with it. But if someone else, Mike or Donovan or whoever, but usually those two guys are initiating the offense, if you're in the corner spacing the floor. You've been such a good three-point shooter for so long, teams don't leave you. 
And so, obviously, the play is going to evolve towards an open guy if you get him in a scramble, and it's not going to be you. So that ends up kind of making you passive. Am I seeing that the right way, or am I missing something? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the, the, the obvious or the, um, the 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 easiest way to be aggressive is with the ball. That's what everyone. Like if 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 I say I need to be more aggressive, everyone thinks, "Oh, Joe wants the ball more. I need the ball more." I don't think it's necessarily that. I think, um, like you said, it's like like me doing that and being in the corner and them not leaving me is, is helping the team. It's helping Rudy on the roll. It's helping help, be helping Donovan. Maybe they don't leave me and they mess up and they leave Royce and he's shooting whatever he's shooting this year at a high level from from three, or it's Boyan or whoever it is or mine. That's obviously why we kind of built the team and they did but they did what they did is um to I guess not have that weakness of well you can't just leave me or you can't stay attached to me because that the what the guy next to me is Boyan or, or whatever it is. So um yeah I think everyone I think everyone automatically um assumes that, that being aggressive means you need the more more or whatever. I think there's a lot of other ways I can I can help the team by, by being I think I can get other guys open I think I can can move without the ball I think um, even a six part last night like I came in there and I think one of the first sessions like I got the ball and I I, I caught it a little awkwardly but it's like I've got to be ready to shoot that and, and shoot it um, and that's me being aggressive that's not um, anything else it's just making sure at every possession every time every every walk down the court that, that I'm ready to to go and catch or ready to shoot or ready to, to set a back screen for Donovan to get him open or, or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I think the, the term of, of being aggressive can be kind of looked at in, in very different ways, but it's not it's definitely not me <laughs> side-noting to Quinn that I need the ball more because that's, that's not the case. I think we've got a really good team that... Um, that has multiple different handlers, multiple different scorers, shooters. Um, and and that's, like I said, it's not on the coach. That's on us to, to figure out who's going or who's not or what's working or what's not. If it's if it's me handling or if it's Mike or Donovan or, or Donovan coming off plays or Boyan shooting, whatever that is, um, it's on us to figure it out and, um, and make it work. Well, Joe, I've interviewed hundreds, if not thousands, of professional athletes over the years, and I don't know that there would be many who would do what you're doing here through the losing streak of still being accountable and coming on the air and taking these questions. So I want you to know that we and the Jazz fans appreciate your accountability. No, no worries. It's, uh, I think I've said before, I committed to it along, what, five years ago, and it's, um, I, don't, I think the, the funny part of it always, like, I, I don't think anyone, especially in our team and all that, should be... Like, if anyone thought we were going to go 82 and 0, like, I'm not saying we were going to go, I'm not saying okay, but there is um, a reality of, of life that we were, we were going to lose games. Obviously, you don't want to lose four in a row or four in a row, but um, we figure it out. We're professionals. It's our job. We'll go in today and work our butts off to, to turn it around and get ready. So, um, yeah, I'll be here every week. We appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Joe Ingles joining us here every week, even when things are headed south. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to do. You come yeah. in here and it's not uplifting. I mean, that's you know, we want them to win uh, for no other reason than we can jack, joke around, but here you can't. 
it's serious stuff here. I mean, it's not life or death, but it's nevertheless, it's in a losing situation. And I appreciate his accountability because I think that's, that's the essence of being able to get out of whatever situation you're in if it's not good, is to have that accountability to make it better. Your odds go way up when you're accountable like that, and they go way down when you're not. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.